Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Friends, Facts, and Fiction. As always, this podcast is made possible by our local convenience stores, the misappropriation of history, and you. And now to your hosts, Justin Hammonds, Brant Bramlett, and Drew Shellnut. What's up? What's happening, world? This is a podcast called Friends, Facts, and Fiction. And I'm Justin Hammonds. I'm looking at my boy Drew Shellnut. Well, hello. And my boy Grant Bramlett. Hey! And it's uh, yeah. season five, episode 10. Season five, trying to thrive and stay alive. Or trying to thrive and stay alive. I think it's more or less trying to stay alive. I think you just said the same thing twice I as did, well. My, yeah, brain, my, pretty brain sure. is, my brain is a little yeah. warped. Anyway, <laughs> um, took a week off because... Uh, not really because of 4th of July, but it kind of worked out in that way. Um, you know what? You know. We'll say that's why. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Uh, but anyway, um, hope y'all doing well out there. Um, got some uh, more high facts. Still stuck in that prohibition era uh, for me. So I'm going to talk about some black mobsters that kind of passed the torch around in Harlem for like 40 years. But before we get into that, how everybody doing, man? I feel not. Everybody good? Doing well. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, they have a good week off. Um, or days off in the week that yeah. we have it off from the podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> we didn't have really a week off. No, but. no, no, we didn't. Yeah, life happens. Yeah, it does. Speaking of which, I'm going driving to Montana uh, on Sunday. Yes, you are. Oh. Yeah, the first time up there. So if anybody got any any ideas or activities to do up in up in the Montana area, let us know. Email us at friends. Period, facts, period, at fiction.com. I thought Grant already told you what to do on your trip. What? thought he was already like, you got to do this. And then you were like, but if you got any other ideas, and he was like, no, I already told you. You got to do this. What? The yeah. world's largest rubber band ball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And go to Superman right. Town. Superman <laughs> They town. call it Metropolis, actually. Mm, <laughs> mm. I think it's in South Dakota. Yeah. I think. Oh, we're going to go drive through there. We're driving from Tennessee to Montana, so there's going to be plenty of time for me to look up random shit while mm-hmm. I'm on the road. You know what you need and to do? You need to look up that movie. Uh, it's called Michael. It's where uh, John oh, Travolta God. plays an angel oh, that God. has come Christ. back from Jesus heaven. Christ. And he needs to go see all of the uh, world's biggest or... Really lamest roadside attractions. Oh, Just rewatch that movie, get inspiration. Well, I haven't seen that movie since I was a child. I either. I don't thought about it. Since I don't remember the premise. I, I don't know why John came up into my wings. I didn't even remember that's what he did. I just remembered it was kind of sad at the yeah. end. I remember him having wings, and I was like, "This is fucking odd." Anyway, my mom loved that movie, yeah. so I saw it several times. Oh, it's pretty good. Uh, uh, he had his time. Yeah, he had his in time the sun. in the sun. Yeah, yeah. Still a huge Nick Cage fan, though. Yeah. Well, that's because he's legitimately awesome. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. Anyways, <laughs> I just came back. <laughs> uh, I will say, I went to uh, Erie, Pennsylvania this last weekend for a wedding. Our good buddy Kevin, who was on our um, one of our music episodes, actually. Yeah, he's music our, theory, music therapy. He's our music therapist that came on and, and helped us do the episode. It was awesome. Rode on a 129-year-old schooner. Oh. Which is a big ass sailboat for mm-hmm. people that didn't know. Me included, I had no idea what the fuck a schooner was. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they made us help and stuff, so it was like. And I learned the word "avast" means stop. Avast. News avast. to me. I thought it was an exclamation. I no. thought it was just like, like "Hey, you ah. over there!" You know, like, "Oi!" Yeah, yeah, I thought it was an like, "Oi!" Or a, "Hey, you guys!" No. I didn't know it actually meant "Hey, like stop." No. Uh, crazy, right? Yeah, j- Jiffy actually means under a second. Oh. Yeah. That's lovely. That's mm-hmm. pretty quick. Anyway, in a jiffy. In a jiffy. Uh, anyway. Wedding was beautiful. <laughs> I had a lot of fun at the rehearsal dinner. We like 
set up a little, you know, quick cover band kind of thing, played some tunes well enough to get old people to dance. So I'd call that a success. Mm -hmm. But speaking of successes, I had my most successful uh, casino experience ever. Okay. So, See, I, have, I do this to dredge up stories. Yeah, yeah. Out of, out of so I've got has a damn story. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so I've got $100 cash in my pocket. And I'm thinking, that's it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, let's not do this thing. Like I've done before in the past where I rack up credit card debt because even if you're blackout drunk and you wander up to them and say, hey, can you get chips on a credit card? They're like, yeah, of course. Please yes. give us all mm -hmm. your credit cards. Yes, do that. Yeah. Here's another drink. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. This particular <laughs> casino, John's only letter. one drink every 20 minutes. Oh. I know. I walked up to the bar and the guy next to me was trying to get a shot of beer. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I can only give you one drink every 20 minutes. And I was like wow, I actually might keep to this $100 thing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Because you're not going to get me trash, and I'm not going to make a bunch of stupid decisions. decisions. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I uh, go over to Blackjack where I'm actually okay. That's like the only thing I'm good at. It was like a $20 or buy $15 buy-in. Yeah. 100 bucks. it's like four or five bets. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not going to, not worth my time. Yeah. So I go over to Craps because there's always one guy in the group that knows a lot about craps and really likes to do craps, and nobody else in the group has no fucking clue what they're doing over there, right? So I go get my chips. We're, we're betting or whatever. He he loses his two hundred dollars immediately and just wanders off to the bar. I'm down to like fifteen dollars plus eight dollars, and this old dude walks up next and takes his spot. He knew exactly what he did. He just immediately was like, you know, like stack here, stack there, whatever. It's like, let me get that. Let me do that. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea what those things mean at all. Mm -hmm. I've just barely <laughs> learned the things that you can just put your own chips on the board. Yeah, yeah, right? bet some shit. Yeah. yeah. And I noticed he, he like he won the first one, lost the second one or whatever. But then the third time around, he bet the exact same amount of chips that I have left. And I was like, well, okay, here we go. You know, so I put my 15 down where he put his and he was like, let me get a four for four. No idea what the fuck that means. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let me get one of those two. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, the guy at the end of the table proceeds to have a, an amazing role, everything but a seven mm -hmm. mm. until he hit a seven. It was crazy. Yeah, that's fucking wild. It really was crazy. And so apparently I guess a four for four means that like, if you get four things before a seven that are in that little category line, over yeah, yeah. there, then you win the a lot back yeah, yeah. on what you had initially bet, which is like two bets each mm -hmm. or two dollars each. I grew right? up in the hood, motherfuckers playing craps all the time. Sure, you know, and sure. I never picked up the game. I still don't understand the game. I still don't understand. This looks wild as shit, yeah. bro. Anyway, I'm gonna go play basketball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Throw a football around. So <laughs> shoot some quarters. At least. <laughs> yeah, shoot some quarters. <laughs> I'm shooting quarters and shit. Yeah. Old man gets really excited. And then the dealer just just drops two huge stacks of chips in front of him and then in front of me. And I'm like... Because you bet with him. I'm like, well, that can't be... And as I'm having this thought, <laughs> the guy was like, those are yours. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I was just, just kind of thought. And hey, you like, know that's you, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like I put him on the table, bet two more times, lost... That and so I just walked away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I put in a hundred dollars and I made a hundred and fifty two dollars. <laughs> right. There you go. And you had an experience that you might have picked up a piece of craps. So knowledge. I, uh, yeah. So I bought some drinks at the bar. Yeah. Well, on free Every money. Every twenty minutes. Every twenty minutes. Actually, the length amount of time that we were there was about fifty dollars on a bar tab. Right. After that, I just stopped playing and just wander around and check in on people, and mm -hmm. yeah, chat yeah. and shit. And yeah, that's when you just get like you know straight liquor on a rock. 
Yeah. It was every 20 minutes. You yeah. Just sip. That's exactly what I did. Exactly. Yeah. You got so a beer, you session in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I moved fuck. over to Makers and Rocks. <laughs> now I got a pee and I want another beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I moved over to Makers and Rocks and I'm just sipping or whatever. Wow. And it ended up being about $50. So I just got free drinks. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, yeah. Right. That's a W in my book, bro. I know. You came out Can't even. Can't believe it. Can't <laughs> Either believe on it. top or even. The only that's, time I've ever bet money in a casino was at John's wedding. <laughs> it didn't come out on top. Yeah, I think no, I that did. was me. That's what I'm talking I about. I did for about two hours, and I was like, "Yeah," because I can't remember who told me. Go around when you're walking by the slot machines and fill the tops of them. And if they're warm, that means somebody's been playing, playing on them for a while. while yeah. Got pissed off and left. Like, yeah. I, mean, I sat down on two of them. It was like two hundred dollars. Like lost all of it, but thirteen bucks left over thirteen dollars. Going, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Yeah, and so you gotta know leave when you're high. You know what I'm I saying? Know. Let the come down happen outside of the casino. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Also met, also met up with someone named Molly that night that didn't really help out my decisions. Yeah, my, my, Molly was hanging out tough that night. <laughs> Phew. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think I lost like eighty bucks, and I just started flirting with one of the bridesmaids and said, "Fuck it, I'm done." Uh, I think I lost like eight hundred dollars at John's. Yeah, because you go out, you got up pretty high, right? And then I was doing great, and then yeah. the cocktail server started circling me, mm-hmm. just like it's a like, buzzer. Yeah, we're gonna go and Seriously, get him, like knock, knock him on down. Like, and I got, I'm excited because I'm winning, you know. Shot, and I'm shot, just like, shot. just, just. <laughs> But just turning a little slamming these drinks down. She's like, you want another one? Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize I was empty. Sure, thanks. You want another one? Oh, shit, I didn't realize I was empty. Thanks. <laughs> Blackout drunk. Mm-hmm. Lost all of my money. Wander over, give them a credit card, and then I was like, all right, I'm back, baby. You know, <laughs> lost all of that money. <laughs> uh, more of those story, kids. Uh, know what you're doing when you go to the casino. Uh, yeah. You know? Don't get drunk. Yeah, yeah. they're they going to get you. They're going to get you. You got to be aware of your surroundings and know what the fuck you're betting on. But, um, yeah, anyway, hope y'all doing good out there. Hope you had a good fourth. I know the country is kind of in shambles. Society is crumbling around us. But, you know, it was the 4th of July. Um, anyway, got a little song of the day of the week. It's called uh, Aria by ASAP Rocky. Mm, nice. Um, it's a super dope track. It's got some real summer vibes to it. It's uh, A-R-Y-A by ASAP Rocky. Aria. Um, it's a bopper. Check that bitch yeah. out. Well, let's listen to a little bit. Let's not do that. So not get any more of our episodes taken <laughs> yeah. So the music lawyers don't come and get uh, us again. Um, but anyway, yeah, man. Here we go. Some hot facts. Oh, is this ASMR, ASMR time? So I was going to do that. I guess we. Yeah, so go ahead and relax. You know what I'm saying? Like, kick it back. You know what I mean? Pour you up a little drink. Oh, actually, here, I'm going to I'm gonna add on top of the AMS, ASMR while you're doing your thing. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, pour up your little drink, you know what I'm saying? Light one up, you know what I mean? Be safe on the road, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully Shh. you might be going to sleep right now, you know what I'm saying? Cuck <laughs> But yeah, anyway, I know, we, <laughs> I know we just covered a whole series on Prohibition and the effects of it on the U.S., but today I wanted to dive back into the time period to explore a few characters that thrive in the crime wave that hit America. Now... There's the furious Miss Stephanie St. Clair, who made it to New York at the right time to take over Harlem, New York, then passed down her power to Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson, Bumpy, who in turn gave Harlem to the infamous Frank Lucas. In such a rough time for any Americans, uh, these three black these three black people made a fortune, but also saved the community any chance they got. But the irony is that they also ended up ruining the streets they cherished. For the tall tales about these characters, down to the brass tacks of the operations, let's dive up in this thing. Mm. Now, Stephanie St. Clair, a.k.a. Queenie, 
Madam Queen or Madam St. Clair and Queen of Policy Rackets. It's all the name she was known by. It's fucking wow. as well. But well, that one's a little clunky. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Queen of Policy Rackets. QPR, because you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, that's much punchier. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, well, she was born on Christmas Eve, 1897, in the Caribbean. Some say French Guadalupe. But soon she had she was on her way to America, arriving in 1911 on Ellis Island. Almost immediately, she traveled up to Montreal, where her mother got her job as a housekeeper. But within about five years, she made her way back to the U.S. and found her way to Harlem, where she found work working for a racketeer who was running gambling houses and running numbers. In those days, they were called policy bankers. Hmm. But in today's terms, it would be basically like a bookie yeah. you know, or somebody like... You can do like a neighborhood lottery or, you know, a fucking casino house. Basically, we're just mm-hmm. talking about that shit. Mm-hmm. And once she saved up about $10,000, she invested in her own number-running organization and took over Harlem. So being the only policy banker in town, she racked up a shit ton of money and had no fear about showing it off. She would run ads for her legal business. <laughs> Dope. And in these ads, she would dress to the nines and would never get caught slipping. So she literally like would print in the in like the neighborhood papers, yeah. mm-hmm. ads of her dressed in a fucking like chinchilla and fucking nice dress, flapper status. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Of course. And just dagged out with some dude, mm-hmm. gangster looking motherfucker. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, bet with bet with Queenie or some shit was one of them. I was like, mm-hmm. bro, what in the fuck? Like, this is highly illegal mm-hmm. <laughs> like activity. You know what I'm saying? But and you're a black woman. Yeah, exactly, bro. That's what I'm you saying. saved up ten thousand yeah, dollars, by right, the way, which was a whole lot, bro. In the, in like 1920, mm-hmm. 11. Yeah. Well, no, 1911 is when she got. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, this is like 1918, 1919. Um, now, with her trusted right hand man Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson at her side, she took over the city. Now you gotta remember, this is the time of prohibition, and black women is running a whole city's underground. This brought good and bad attention to Queenie, though, you know, with the Italian mob specifically. Uh, they were looking to take over all business dealings of the black market, but they could never take over Harlem. Hell yeah. Then once the news of the appeal of prohibition hit the streets, one Italian mobster tried his damnedest to put Queenie out of business. This is all happening while, you know, prohibition, like, Al Capone is fucking balling out. Yeah, he's the mob, the mobs taking in over New York, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, the mobs in New York are killing shit. They're, they're making hella money. And Queenie's just chilling in their own little slice of pie. And they're like, oh, this alcohol about to go out of business. Oh, shit, we need to get into other business. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. who can we take or who can we roll over first? You know, that's basically what they were doing. Uh, mobs by the name of Dutch Schultz, one of the bootlegging kings of New York at the time, felt the alcohol profits were about to be cut short. So it was time to get involved in more shady business, and he saw an opportunity in Harlem to move in and take over. But it wasn't going to be easy. Nearly 40 people were killed in the fight over the numbers racket, and being the mafia had police connections, it was hard for St. Clair to hold on to the business, especially now that Bumby Johnson was beginning to have second thoughts about staying and supporting her. Did I wonder what those new news articles were, if there were any. You know uh, probably, what I mean? Probably were none because the cops know, were Harlem. getting paid off. And the cops are getting paid off. Yeah. It's so, probably covered up. Yeah, but the mob just, was like, hey, just don't even patrol over here in Harlem. We're yeah, about to do some work most for a likely. few weeks. But it would be... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just... I don't know. I'm just trying to run through like what it could possibly be. You know what I mean? Just like 40 found dead in a 
shipping accident. <laughs> Crushed by beets. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, there's so many, so many dangerous warehouses and construction jobs. Beat I mean, cops, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, chalk it up to the death of uh, some Empire State workers or some shit. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> Building all those damn skyscrapers and just chalk it up. Like, fuck it. Dropped an eye beam from 100 feet. <laughs> yeah, bro. 40 people standing in line were killed. <laughs> <laughs> this beam just came through and took him out, bro. I don't just know what the fuck happened. Straight line. Just everybody in the line. Why what are the they f- riddled with bullet yeah, holes? Yeah, what was these metal holes around them? Well, let's see construction. Don't worry about that. The Construction's bolts, a tough job. It's the rivets. When the bolts <laughs> and rivets fall apart, I mean, that's a long fall. There's some things you don't know about hard labor, mm-hmm. right? Are you an engineer? Yeah. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You know what the fuck you're doing. Um, <laughs> Ever dropped a penny off the Empire State Building? Mm. <laughs> All right, case closed. <laughs> so, around this time, Bobby Johnson, he was uh, you know, beginning to see that they're outgunned and they're outmanned. So uh, Queenie gave up her organization to Arrival, but not to Schultz. He had a little surprise visit from a notorious gang, uh, a notorious gang called Murder Inc. What and, did they do? Uh, he didn't. He didn't really make it. It <laughs> does. Schultz didn't make it out of that little. What meeting. does Murder Inc. do for uh, a living? You know, Murder Incorporated. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. They so, kill they, people. so they kill. Yeah, they're people. assassins. Yes. They're, for they, they do the pop pop bang bang money. pop pop bang bang. It's, yeah. it's really great that they got a uh, incorporation uh, licensing. Yeah, for that. they got an LLC for that shit, apparently. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, Queenie had something up her sleeve, though. So his two associates with him that day uh, died. But Schultz, being shot in the stomach, he lived almost a full day before he died. Oof, that's Fuck horrible. That. Which gave Queenie just enough time to send him a little telegram that read, As ye sow, so shall ye reap. Oh, shit. Dope. How cold is that? She's <laughs> fucking hard as fuck. fuck yeah, man. <laughs> That's the last thing he read. Like, how cold is that, bro? Like, he's like <laughs> gurgling, like dying, <laughs> bro. For whole 24 hours, he's fucking dying. I'd say that's one of the most painful ways to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's dealing with that for 24 hours. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Especially back then when, uh, you know, antiseptic was not still that prop- popular oh, yet. They, they didn't have shit. Talking about the fucking 30s. So now the flamboyant, foul mouthed queen of Harlem. Was down but not out. After a year of good investments and smart moves, she stayed wealthy. Ended up married to the leader of an Islamic Buddhist cult named Sufi Abdul Hamid. All right. Now this shit gets fucking weird. Now this guy was kind of well. Now he was a con man. <laughs> uh, sure. Claiming that he was a descendant of Egyptian pharaohs. Oh, yeah. And he was uh, known as Black Hitler of Harlem because oh, he Jesus. was so anti-Semitic and had been convicted of stabbing a communist organizer in 1936. Apocalypto. That shit, wow. But that's just the half of it. At this time, St. Clair was beginning a civil rights movement, constantly writing to editors in the black press. So she's an advocate for the civil rights movement, and she's married... <laughs> To, to a guy a, that I'm going to do a full episode on. That guy sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> right. To talk about. Yeah, he sounds like a horrible human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> sounds terrifying. She's but, married yeah. to a, a fucking Jew-hater Egyptian pharaoh descendant, by his word. But she's, like, trying to build up a movement for the civil rights. I'm like, well, how the fuck did y'all even meet? Like, that's... Yeah. What? But anyway. I think you got cross-pollinization wrong. wrong. <laughs> More so, how is, like, the, like, dinner for them? Yeah, like, what do they what talk I mean? about? It's like, like, so what did you do today? <laughs> um, you know, I tried to kill some Jews. Well, I tried to help some black people. So, you know, look at that. Anyway, 
This shit as well. But um, yeah. Now, around sometime in January 1938, Hamid was shot on his way to see his lawyer, and Queenie was charged with the crime. Pleading for her innocence, she insisted if she wanted him dead, he would be dead. And after a sensational trial, the man known as Sufi Adul Hamid was found to be Eugene Brown from Philadelphia, who was dating a woman named Madame Fu Fatiman. <laughs> man, that's a Eugene. <laughs> yeah. That's just Eugene, bro. Somebody came in from town. Somebody came from Philly, like, bro, get your ass back to the city, bro. That's EB from Philly, man. Yeah. Get your ass. <laughs> and apparently his wife, uh, Madame Fu Fatiman, or whatever, she uh, she sold mystical oils and stones. Mm. That was her occupation. But, um, yeah, just a regular dude from Philly that <laughs> met some mystic woman and, you know, decided that he was a descendant from... Egyptian pharaohs. Yeah, stay away from the mystic women, man. <sighs> but anyway, <laughs> being St. Clair was uh, faced with an all-white jury. She was convicted to serve two to ten years, which is fucking... That's not that bad. ...wild. Mm-hmm. But two to ten, that's crazy. Uh, after she got... As she got out of prison, she continued to work in civil rights and never went back to the street life and also regained the protection from her old homie, Bumpy Johnson. She died in December 1969. Nice. I'm saying it's wild because, like, two to ten, like, that's a large difference mm-hmm. in time. Oh, that's a normal mm-hmm. thing. For a fucking one year but, yeah. or one crime. But anyway, um, fucking crazy that she was born, bro, in 1897 mm-hmm. and died in 1969. Do you, how much shit... In her life, she's seen in society, bro. Like, that's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Think about her and your <laughs> great-grandmother. You know yeah, what I mean? It's fucking nuts, bro. Just, like, tell me a story. Yeah, just, just <laughs> like, throw me one. Yeah. Just throw me one night in Harlem in, I don't know, 1920. You know? It's fucking nuts, bro. Anyway. Ellsworth Raymond Bumpy, Bumpy Johnson was born on Halloween, 1905. In Charleston, South Carolina. That's fun. We've got all these uh, these holiday babies. Yeah, yeah oh, two God. holiday babies yeah. out here. Um, due to an abnormal growth on his head, he was called Bumpy. Uh, around the age of 10, Bumpy and most of his siblings <laughs> were sent to safety in Harlem after his older brother killed a white man in Charleston. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Not good. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a funny little, uh, little add-on. <laughs> yeah. Abnormal growth to- on his head. That's what they call him, oh, Bumpy. Yeah, no, that's, that's he gets to live with that for the rest of his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, hopefully he he learned to embrace it in his adult. Oh, life, he definitely you know? learned to embrace it because Bumpy meant a whole another thing by the time he was an adult. I mean, I guess luckily though, for like phrenology's kind of done by this point. So yeah. there's a there's that at least, yeah. and also seeking safety in Harlem because the South was so much worse. <laughs> it's like wait, 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 wait. Harlem, yeah. South Carolina. Yeah, yeah I probably would have been yeah. there too. Exactly. I mean, to be black in Harlem, you're fine. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting there. Yeah. And moving that north is tough. Moving north to New yeah. York was still very dangerous at the time. I mean, it was nineteen fifteen. Mm-hmm. But also with his thick southern accent, he was bullied and made fun of all the time. And he used to say at a young age he learned to be scrappy. And when he dropped out of high school, he began hanging out with the with and being bodyguard for some of the most well known gangsters and high rollers in Harlem. So, you know, Bumpy became dude with a lump on his head to I will fuck your ass mm-hmm. up. Yeah, of course. Bumpy, mm-hmm. Very quickly. I mean, he was made fun of for his lumpy head, and then he's made fun for the way he spoke. You yeah. know what I mean? Of course. Okay. He's either going to be a, a 
what a wallflower, as they say, mm-hmm. or very scary. A, yeah. very, a very brooding man. Yeah. Soon after establishing himself as a muscle for big money gangsters, he began running rackets of his own, like pimping, burglary, drugs, and number running, of course. But all that would land him a 10-year prison sentence. Now, by the time he met Queenie, Ellsworth had spent half of his life in jail and was broke and unemployed. But luckily, Queenie took a liking to him and took him under his wing, her wing. So now, the most powerful woman in the streets has a legendary enforcer by her side. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. around this time, you know, the gangster dude that was in the ads with her. Yeah. yeah. Around this time, the war between the mafia and Queenie was boiling over in the streets. And Bumpy and his crew, they were responsible for all that shit. They were responsible for the kidnapping and the killing of over 40 people. And with, with Bumpy's wife even saying, it was easy for them to pick him off. There's not many white men walk around in Harlem. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if you was white in Harlem in that area, you probably just got shot and didn't even know what the fuck was happening. Yeah, right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking insane to think about. No tourism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excuse me, do you know how to get to 51st? Pow! <laughs> I was trying to look at a brownster. Pow! Snack <laughs> <laughs> now. Get up out of here, kid. Yeah, um, but we're from Ohio. <laughs> I have no idea what the mafia. Pow! Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Just get up out of here. But even after the war with Schultz and uh, the mafia, Bumpy eventually made a business deal with them. So after Queenie gave up her numbers racket, Bumpy started running the, the business, but a percentage went to the mafia. But obviously not Schultz and his guys because they got fucking murdered. And uh, mm-hmm. Bumpy kind of helped out with that. So he got help from the other side of the mob. I was like, yeah. thank you for cleaning that out. Yeah. We'll give you a little slice, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Watch his hands with that. So for years, Bumpy ran Harlem with an iron fist. Even though a lot of people feared him, almost everyone loved him. And he became referred to as Robin Hood. Now, Bumpy would hand out turkeys on Thanksgiving and meals and gifts during the holidays. There's a good scene in the, in the film uh, American Gangster starting in Washington as Frank Lucas that shows this infamous crime lord Bumpy handing out turkeys in Harlem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I know Bumpy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, also, Forrest Whitaker uh, has a show that he's doing right now called Godfather of Harlem, mm-hmm. and he's starring as Bumpy mm-hmm. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's supposed to be pretty good. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Well, he reigned over Harlem for years, but that all came to a stop when in 1951, Ellsworth received a 15-year prison sentence for selling heroin, but he would be released in 1963. Even though Bumpy had an insane rap sheet in his criminal career with over 40 arrests, Good God. he still staged a sit-down strike at a police station in 1965 in protest of police surveillance in Harlem. Now, he was charged but later acquitted for the crime of refusal to leave. <laughs> I don't know if it worked, but cheers for him for trying, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I like, guess fucking nuts. I wouldn't be want to be anywhere near a police station if I was out and, like, done. Like, no. fuck it, I'm good. Seriously. Like, it's in the 60s. He was born in fucking, what, At least 1910? there wasn't a three strikes rule then. 1905? <laughs> yeah. He'd have been fucked. Right, he'd have been fucked a few times over, my guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know if it worked, but cheers for him for trying. Needs to say, he lived a wild life at the height of crime in America. But while eating soul food in Harlem restaurant, Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson died from a heart attack in the arms of his childhood friend Junie Bird. That's not eating so much pork, right? You know what I'm saying? It's it's, you. you did say soul food. Mm-hmm. Thought that was just so. Uh, it's like a I don't know. It's like a best way to go out for like a running gangster criminal. It's mm-hmm. like I'm just at my favorite restaurant with one of my childhood friends. Mm-hmm. I'm done. 
Halfway, halfway through a pork chop. And just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, at least he didn't you know, yeah. get shot or kidnapped or all the shit that he did to other people. But anyway, the American gangster himself, Frank Lucas. That's who uh, Bumpy Johnson handed the streets off to. Now, he was born on September 9th, 1930 in LaGrange, North Carolina. Living in the South in poverty and under Jim Crow laws, Frank was charged in charge of looking after his siblings, so really he had no childhood. Mm. Frank began uh, his life of crime after he witnessed the Ku Klux Klan murder his 12-year-old cousin, Obadiah. Jesus. And they murdered him for looking at a white woman, or what they called reckless eyeballing. Okay, well, I'd say that's a really good reason to uh, fucking enter a life of crime. Yeah. So Do not fault him for one second. <laughs> so Frank was eyeballing. only... Yeah, Frank was only six Jesus. years old when this happened. And... Um, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Six years old, you'll see your 12-year-old cousin, which you probably looked up to, mm-hmm. get murdered by the Klan. Anyway, those were the fucking times, though. People forget yeah. that shit was not too long ago. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, after many years of petty crimes and random jobs, Lucas fled to New York after beating up his boss and robbing him of $400. Like you should. And as soon as he arrived in New York, <laughs> all he saw was more dollar signs. Uh, from robbing local bars, stealing diamonds uh, from jewelry stores, and robbing people at gunpoint, Frank soon caught the eye of the most well-known crime boss of the time, Bumpy Johnson. And Frank learned how to truly finesse the game after being under Bumpy's wing. Around the time, uh, heroin was really becoming a cash cow for drug traffickers in New York, Frank Lucas made his way up the ranks to the purest stuff in the streets, the stuff that he called blue magic. Mm. Now, this is the lore of Frank Lucas, so I'm not getting into. The way that Frank Lucas got his hands on 98% pure heroin is a pretty wild story. He allegedly smuggled the drugs into the U.S. by using coffins of dead soldiers coming in from uh, yep. Vietnam. Shit. One side of the story says he put the drugs in the coffins next to the dead bodies. Another said that he put the drugs inside the soldiers. And on one account, Lucas said he had an associate flown in to make duplicate coffins yeah. to smuggle the drugs in. Now, these all sound like wild-ass stories, because they are. So on a more likely note, the drugs were most likely shipped inside of furniture. The drug shipped... <laughs> N has been debunked, been debunked by Leslie Ike Atkinson. Are you talking about the coffin thing? Yeah, the, mm. the drugs oh, okay. being smuggled in the yeah, coffins yeah. was debunked because of his associate, Leslie Ike Atkins, who happened to be married to one of his cousins, who was Frank's connection to the pure drug overseas. Frank used the fact that Atkins was a former U.S. Army sergeant to build a story for more lore and mystery of his own story in the streets. But years after Atkinson was quoted saying, I never had anything to do with transporting heroin in coffins or cadavers. He would later admit to smuggling drugs and furniture. Now, Frank was a very rich man and claimed he made almost a million dollars a day. Mm-hmm. Might have been an exaggeration, but his influence was obvious in the neighborhood. Shit is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, you imagine back then when, you know, the, the line of communication with everybody was a lot less. Mm-hmm. And you just hear this, like, story that just gets bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger every time. It's, it's a telephone game. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And he probably just mentioned, like, well, you know, my, my cousin, husband's in the Army. He's over there. He's going to ship me some stuff over. And he probably didn't even make up the story. Somebody around yeah. him probably was like, oh, dude, the Army is sending yeah. him shit. 
It's like, how do you? Yeah. Then it just builds up, like and then he hears it, and it's like, there's kids oh, coming home with body bags good, every day, so they're probably like story. other using coffins. Yeah, it makes that's total a sense. Story. Yeah. I'm gonna run with that, you mm-hmm. know. You know, you Other thing for me is uh, his rise to power. It's so much a thing of the times. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But just being around, like just busting up like jewelry stores and mm-hmm. and, and, and like just <laughs> you just get away with so much back then. Oh yeah, yeah so much. And it's also more of a uh, like a loyalty system, you know, back then yeah. in, in the gangster life because of the all nobody's these, talking to cops. All these three stories are all connected because one lady came from the Caribbean and was like, "I want to <laughs> do some shit." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she just put all these motherfuckers on, and then by the yeah. time I got to Frank Lucas, anybody could be a fucking. Kingpin or drug dealer. Mm-hmm. It used to be like that one person or that two people and you'd work up ranks. And mm-hmm. now, nowadays, it's no fucking, there's no uh, loyalty to the system of what it is to become a true gangster. Sure. But anyway, um, the irony that Frank Lucas started a life of crime to oppose the KKK and his blue magic did more to the black community yeah. than the Klan could ever have done. That can sum up the fucking this whole era of I think so too gangster shit yeah where it's like you know you try to build yourself up because there's no other opportunities and you build yourself so far that you forget who you're actually stepping on now yeah you know what I mean you're not stepping on the the Ku Klux Klan anymore now you're fucking up your own streets yeah yeah but during the height of his reign in 1971 Lucas decided to wear a $100,000 full length chinchilla coat to a Muhammad Ali boxing match and at the time... That's the time to do it. Yeah. And right. at the time, it was a big flex. But later, Lucas would regret this, for it would be the beginning of the end for him. The whole idea that you are, a, a, you know, an unknown black man in a jacket that's the price of a house, and you have better seats than Diana Ross and Frank Sinatra at an Ali boxing match, didn't really sit well with the feds, <laughs> you know, who were already uh, always at Ali boxing matches because Muhammad Ali was on a fucking feds watch list. Oh, yeah. Forever. Yeah, so, well, he, he changed his name and he started... Yeah. He, uh, <clears throat> he denied the draft. Converted to a, uh, a scary religion yeah. for Americans. Right. And he denied yeah. the draft. And yeah. he was one of the fam- most famous, like, artist, or, artist, uh, uh, athletes yeah. in the One of the most the powerful... Time. Athletic political figures. We, yeah, he we had a tail had. on him for years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, look is popping up with a fucking all that shit, and he's sitting in front of Frank Sinatra and in front of Lou Ross. Like this guy? who the fuck is it? <laughs> We've never seen him on TV ever, bro. Yep. And now he's front yeah. row. Like yeah. what the shit is that? You know? Yeah. Um, hey Jimmy, go run a uh, Telegraph. <laughs> like, so who's the black dude? Got a New York accent? Um, do you know this guy? Like, yeah. His, his fucking coat costs more than my house. But anyway, um, so for a few years after that fight night, Lucas was arrested in 1975, mostly due to some mafia snitching. So you remember, they were still pissed because, you know, their guy was bumpy, not Lucas. So all these assets were seized, and uh, he was sentenced to 70 years in prison. Woo! Even after the arrest and the feds announcing they seized $584,683, Lucas still bragged that he had more money than that, <laughs> and the DEA must have stolen some cash from him. Uh, like, bro, imagine yeah. facing seventy years, my money. bro, and being like, "Now nah, I had way more shit than that, bro." <laughs> what? You, bro. what? <laughs> well, at that point, you so know, this is an interesting. You already got seventy years. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> so, I guess question to the table here: Do you think that this is a uh, escalation of the uh, judicial system um, by the point? Because we're looking at two to ten. And then what? Twenty years, right? 
15, about 15 for Bumpy. Yeah, 15 for Bumpy. And then 70, and now 70 for, for him, for right? Lucas. Uh, yeah. An escalation, or he was just that loud and proud, or he really did uh, jump that much higher he, he, than the he, other ones. He jumped, you know what I mean? He jumped a lot higher, bro. Uh, his heroin was the purest and the most sought out after drug in New York for like a decade. Mm. Like, not just Harlem. Well, and that, and you they feel pro- me? They probably just like wanted to make, find somebody they could finally make an ex- like make an example of. Yeah. Because they hadn't been doing that in the past. Yeah, and I mean, he's definitely a guy to make an example of. I mean, well, flashing like same, that. At like, the same time, you got uh, you got Nicky Barnes, who was selling adjacent to Frank Lucas, and he was on the cover of fucking, like, People Magazine or some shit, or Time Magazine or some shit, as a drug lord. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So like the feds and everybody was just pissed that these guys were just like untouchable, basically. You yeah. know, and they could barely even keep tabs on where Frank Lucas was. Yeah. You know, he had like five or six mansions, fucking like all these properties. Um, but yeah, he bragged that he had more money. Just like, you know, the I love <laughs> the it. full of himself uh guy he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lucas would have spent um been in prison for a lot longer if he didn't cooperate with the government and helped the DEA land over 100 drug convictions from his old stomping grounds. So, so he so, snitched. Now, this is this is where the streets have their problems with Frank yeah. Lucas. Everything was all cool up until it was like, oh, wait, bro, I thought you was, like, rocking with us. You know what I'm saying? So in turn of the mafia snitching on him, he's like, well, shit, they got away with it. I'm going to snitch on these motherfuckers, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, he's snitched. He he says in interviews when later on in his life that I ain't never snitched. Everybody tell him I ain't never snitched, but obviously he's uh, a little full of shit sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So trust as far the as the lady doth him. protest too much. <laughs> yes, exactly. He went on parole in 1991, and according to New York Post, Lucas received three hundred thousand dollars from Universal Music, uh, Universal Pictures, and another five hundred thousand from Denzel Washington for the payment to depict his life in the 2007 film American Gangster. So the motherfucker still made off with 700000 Yeah. Damn near in his fucking 60s or 70s. 60s. Yeah. He knew how to play the game. Yeah. Um, now, for what it's worth, Lucas says that only 20% of the movie was true. He legit said that before he died, at least. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I did some wild shit, but that movie is like, Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least he owned up to that. But very similar, to Bumpy Johnson, Lucas died at the age of eighty-eight in two thousand nineteen of natural causes. Mm-hmm. Again, in, a, in a way, good for him, I guess. You know what I mean? Uh, it also disproves karma, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he stabbed himself three yeah, times in, in the back and threw himself over a bridge. Pretty yeah, natural, kinda, right? Kind of the only <laughs> the only person that truly could get away and go out with sleep good sleep is uh, Oh Queenie. Like she just ran numbers, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying, and like, yeah, still makes some business moves, yeah. and like did all that, helped civil rights, and then died in '69. The rest of these two motherfuckers were wilding, bro, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, fucking seriously. out here, bro. Like it's fucking insane. But those were the times, man, of <laughs> that era of you know gangster mob mentality, where you know it's kind of like a family oriented thing. You know, like he's brought all his family up. Mm-hmm. From uh, North Carolina and shit, like yeah. he, he did that. Like he had them working for him and shit. Like he built like a family business, damn near, you know. And you know, with Bumpy, he literally just tried to save the community of Harlem. You know, he yeah. didn't. He didn't want to get into the heroin, but the money was there, so fuck it, why not? Sure. You know, it's like that. That loyalty to it though is is gone from gangsterism. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not saying that it's right in any way, but make a way when you can. 
That's um, true. And it also is kind of a, um, I don't know why this popped into my head, but just kind of a shame, I guess, that around this time you also have the Black Panthers that are actually doing legitimately good things yeah. for communities. Like oh, very bro. little crimes are committing, if any at all. Bro, they, they hated Nikki Barnes and Frank Lucas and those cats, bro. I know, that's they what hated I'm saying. Them. They hated them so much because they're giving <laughs> them a bad name. Yeah, or they're sure, making exactly. all black people yeah. in America in this time period look bad. Yeah. You know, and they're, you know, the Panthers are doing what they're doing as a way to try and protect themselves, or more importantly, their community, not right. even themselves, because right. they're willingly, purposefully going into the line of fire, so to say. They yeah. are literally on the front lines of all of this, but okay. you've got yeah. racist feds want like roving the country, mostly focusing on black neighborhoods. They're going to bundle just, them together. Exactly. They're not going to see yeah. the split in between. That's yeah. why it became you got a someone militia that, and not like a community group. Yeah, you got uh, mm-hmm. someone that addicted, you know, got a, a, a large, large group of people addicted to heroin. Yeah. And you have someone else like trying to just support art programs and yeah. feed yeah. people so give, give that free couldn't lunches get good jobs. Kids, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And also you got to think all this is happening well, the early stuff with uh, Queenie and Bumpy were happening on like the back end or the behind the curtain of the Harlem Renaissance with Langston Hughes and jazz and the mm-hmm. Cotton Club. Yeah, like all this progression yeah. is happening, yeah, yeah. and you know, in it, like in any city, a lot of progression creates a lot of black market underground shit. That's just how it goes. More more revenue on both sides. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, as a as Harlem is just a very interesting city in general. Um, oh, it's amazing. I have to dive into the history of that because from Langston Hughes up until <laughs> I know a shitload about the, the jazz nuts. side of it yeah. just because fucking nuts, bro. It's cool, crazy. but and that's one reason why the heroin was so fucking uh, sought after. It's because of jazz musicians and all that type of shit. Oh yeah, they love to dub yeah. down exactly. But yeah, man, that's a little black mobster episode. You know, just to tell off the prohibition, kind of ride with the timeline that we created into like the present day almost. So yeah. That's the thing. Can't believe that motherfucker died in 2019. It's crazy. I know. It's fucking wild, bro. <laughs> like, man, people think it's so long ago. I'm like, bro, these motherfuckers were still alive like, yeah, like when yeah. I was born, basically. Yeah. Like, fucking nuts. No, it's funny. I mean, I was, I was thinking about that while you were, specifically while you are talking about Frank Lucas, because uh, American Gangster is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Denzel in his prime. Yeah. Opening with that curb stomp. Uh, a sequence that's yeah, just they, they set him brutal. on fire. Yeah, and that, it. that's Bumpy Johnson. The old dude beside him is supposed to be Bumpy Johnson. Yeah, like yeah. ordering him to do at, it. Basically. At 17 years old, when that movie came out, for me, I was just like, "Holy shit! You can do that? <laughs> mm-hmm. You can put that on a movie? Those guys did that? All right, I'm watching." Yeah. Yeah, but the whole time, kind of until today, I was thinking like, "This is a long time ago, like a long, long, long time ago." You know, because yeah. I haven't no. seen it in a while. Yeah, yeah. so I don't. I don't think I know American history as much as I did then. If you yeah, know, no, you for know. sure, yeah. for sure. That's a or the inverse of that. It's the, it's the gauge of like timing and so much shit happening in the times. You know, if you think in decades, bro. I mean, it's not that far ago, that long ago. If you think in no. like, if you think in like events in life, it's a long ass time ago. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It's difference of like registering in time. You know, object yeah. permanence type of deal. Well, of course, yeah. But I mean, it's just thinking about like. You know, someone just being so baffled that, like, our political system is so tumultuous right now or that there are still just blatantly outwardly racist people in our country. Yeah. Um, there are people that violent. are you know, blatantly violent and getting away with it just because of the, the leanings that they have or the whatever. And I don't want to get too po- too political right now, but yeah. um, just 
it makes a lot of sense if you realize that this was not that long ago. I know we talk about yeah. this constantly. This is probably the theme of our podcast yeah. is that this is not that long ago. This <laughs> was not that long ago. It's a crazy fucking story, but it happens yeah. all the time and it did yeah. not happen that long ago. Yeah. And if you ever question why is the, this country or the world the way it is, it's yeah. because that crazy ass shit was not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We're we still are dealing not, with it. Yeah. yeah, we exactly. Like we are still, I would say, culturally still have PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. For you sure, know bro. what I mean? hundred like percent. The, uh, I mean, the formation still, of this country to civil rights, or I'm sorry, to the civil war, to reconstruction, to the civil rights, to, you know, and then I've kind of taken a fun little like, uh, left hand turn into prohibition and like early crime of this country. Mm-hmm. It all fits together, of yeah, course, for but sure. it's, yeah, it's like, bro. it's like talking to a member of my family that, we were talking one day and said the N word, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoah, whoa. It's twenty what year, whatever year it was." Yeah, and they were like, oh, "I was raised that way." So, so was I. Yeah. <laughs> Just you because get, you yeah, learn yourself out of well, yeah, your, yeah. Your shitty environments. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I didn't realize that you never bought a cell phone in your entire right? life. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> No, you didn't pay attention to social uh, yeah. cues and social oh, situations. I, I didn't realize that you still don't uh, have any new technology since the 60s. Yeah. yeah. So Same. sorry. I guess that was the way you were raised. Oh, is that a computer over there? Is uh, that yeah. an oh, iPhone oh. in your pocket? That's Home shopping not. network? Fuck you. <laughs> Change the way you talk. Yeah, bro, exactly. <laughs> Say, bro, it's baffling to me sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, still to this day, the most sought-after houses were built in this time, in the 30s and shit, bro. You know what I mean? People are flipping those houses still today. That's mm-hmm. how that's how not long ago it was. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Motherfuckers are I mean, buying we, these we houses still. still. Plantation you know, drive. Are, yeah, people are still. There's from. probably roads that had been paved since these times because they're fucking in the country somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much shit that's from that time period that we still use. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. how could it be that long ago? You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But anyway, cool story. Cool things. Watch that was American a great Gangster. story. Uh, it's a great film, um, and Godfather Harlem apparently is. Yeah, and I've got that like like saved or whatever. Just yeah. haven't got around to it yet. And also um, in Harlem Nights, the movie with Eddie Murphy and Red Fox, great film. Uh, Queenie is depicted in that film as well. Mm-hmm, that's uh, right, because she is is fucking Harlem. Yeah, you know and that's another good movie to go see. Like the the Showtime of that era, like the other side of it, mixed entertainment the exercise yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah like yeah. the club owners and the right. crazy motherfuckers, but. Um, yeah, man. High facts. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Um, we'll be back next week with some, maybe next week, maybe a week after. Well, yeah, we do need to talk that about out. that. We'll, we'll figure something out. We'll figure something <laughs> yeah. out. Um, I would I like might, to keep content going. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, might, I might be phoned in or maybe y'all could do something uh, with a guest. Yeah. Of sorts, it's a surprise. It's gonna be a surprise hodgepodge yeah. for mm-hmm. the we next could, week. We could do a tweener. It'd be fun. Who knows? But yeah, because Justin's gonna be go. Uh, <laughs> Personally, change the diversity of an entire state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, uh, mostly about seeing the country that north. I've never been past like Iowa north. No. Yeah. So you gonna ride a horse? Probably. Fuck yeah. Willingly, or are they gonna tuck you into it? Yeah, I'll, I'll ride a horse. You ride a horse for sure. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, I, don't. I mean, I'm have to go to a, a ranch at least one or two up there. That's all the fuck is is up there. Like, yeah, you no, know? that's that's I what mean, you're gonna be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got you got that was you rhetorical got, question. You got Missoula, you got Bozeman, you know. Virginia City is pretty cool, but that's like old school, like yeah. mining town shit. But you know, it, it's fine. I'm, I'm gonna do some cool shit. 
I want to see Glacier, to be honest. Glacier Park. Yeah. I want to see that shit for sure. Yeah. Um, Beautiful area. You know, yeah. I'm going to see the beauty of America in this tumultuous time. Uh, It's going to be refreshing to actually remember, oh, this country is beautiful. Yeah. Despite all the fucking... Anyway, I'm Justin Hammonds, and I'm saying love, love, life, because it's worth living, y'all. And I'm Drew Shelnut, and I'm saying, you know, keep yourself informed so you can make a difference. There you go. That's good. That's good. Grant Bramlett here. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, if you got to make some really big moves, change your life on your own accord, uh, regardless of how you did it, especially if there's a lot of things like uh, going against you, basically the entire country. <laughs> yeah. You know, good for you. Seriously. I, uh, in that regard, I always loved you, mm-hmm. you know. But if you did get to a point uh, where you lost your way or you didn't realize that what you're doing is actually making a massively, massively negative impact on the community around you that you were supported by, that you came up through, never liked you. Because, yeah. you, you know, you should really always remember where you came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, Unplanned ASAP Rockies from Harlem. So, wow. song of the day is a guy from Harlem. So, <laughs> there's that. Also, give us that five star, give us that thumbs up, DM me on Instagram, email us friends.facts.fiction at gmail.com. Hit us up, man. Tell everybody about us, all that good shit. Anyway, it's a podcast called Friends, Facts, and Fiction, and we out. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next installment. Find us on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things friends, facts, and fiction. Our Instagram handle is friends underscore facts underscore fiction. As always, please reach out to us. You can send any of your questions, praise, and fact-checking to friends period facts period fiction at gmail.com. It's important to us to only propagate the truth, and we'll correct any errors we may have made. Your hosts and researchers are... Justin Hammonds, Grant Bramlett, and Drew Shelnut. Our episodes are produced by Grant Bramlett. Additional producership provided by Grace Higgs. Our recording engineer is Grant Bramlett. Our editor, mix, and mastering audio engineer is Jeremy Mulder. Lighting design is provided by Justin Hammonds. This has been a production of Friends, Facts, and Fiction. So I'm assuming that they bought Zimas for a party a long time ago mm-hmm. and then uh, never touched them, you know? Uh, and so I was like, all right, mm-hmm. it's Zima time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I drank like six of them, and I, got, I was sick the whole next day. Uh, a lot like Not sh- hungover, sugar. just a lot of sugar. I just drank too many sugar, soda pops, kind of sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember them tasting. Right to the face. That's what, yeah. it's, that's what I remember it tasting like. It, mm-hmm. it kind of was like a Sprite. It was like a, yeah. Exactly.